no matter what you're looking at, any kind of real estate, you can't fall in love with it because then you are prone to make bad investment decisions. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? Do you need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available? Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Dennis Sisterna. How you doing, Dennis? Doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well, my pleasure. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Dennis. He is the Chief Revenue Officer of Investability Real Estate. You can go see his company's website at investability.com. A link is in the show notes page. He also hosts a weekly podcast, The Real Estate Investor, to help real estate investors become more efficient and empowered in the residential investing space, which lo and behold, ties into Investability's platform, which is an online marketplace for single-family residential property investors based in Denver, Colorado. With that being said, Dennis, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, I'm happy to. I have been in the real estate investment sector for my entire career, which is, is almost 18 years now, and I've held a variety of positions, starting out as a housing market analyst. Uh, I've been a home builder, a land developer, an acquisitions guy, an investment banker, a lender, and now running this comprehensive platform for real estate investors focused on the single family and residential investment space. So I have done it all and seen it all and been in up markets and down markets. And I think we're in a very unique spot in real estate's history right now, where I think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity right now to invest in a lot of markets. And I think the long-term outlook for real estate investing as an asset class when it comes to these residential properties is better than it's ever been. Why do you say that? Well, you have a confluence of different factors going on that are both economic and demographic where we have an economy that's been in a resurgent form for six plus years where we've added back all the jobs we lost during the recession plus some. We have a nation that continues to grow from a population perspective, and yet we're not adding houses to keep up with that demand. So there's a big inventory shortfall, which in and of itself would be a good opportunity for investors since somebody always needs a place to live. But when you factor a lot of these other market constraints, like a lack of available financing for a large percentage of the market, the fact that people aren't saving as much money as they need to because they're spending more money on housing, all of this leads towards a longer term rentership for this country more so than homeownership. Mm -hmm. And it's your background. Holy cow. You mentioned like seven different roles that you've had you certainly have a lot of different reference points throughout your career you can pull up in your mind and say, okay, based on my experience as a home builder, 
this is an approach that I learned in an investment banker as a lender. I was trying to write down all of them. So say those again, will you? Because I, I was writing them down, but I couldn't type fast enough. I've got home builder, investment banker, and lender. Housing market analyst, land developer. I've also uh, probably like a lot of listeners in your audience, done a lot of direct investing myself, flipping properties and having rental properties as well. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about what your company does now, and then we'll back into some of these other jobs that you've done and how that applies to what you're doing now. Sure. Absolutely. Investability is part of a larger publicly traded company called AltaSource Portfolio Solutions. And so AltaSource is a large vertically integrated real estate service provider. So they acquired Investability and our sister company called RentRange, which is a, a data analytics company, to be able to expand their presence in the real estate investment sector and to be able to offer a lot of those services that they already had in-house to this growing class of investors. So Investability not only leverages our existing data suite of products and our existing real estate brokerage, but it also takes advantage of the larger suite of services as part of AltaSource. So whether you're looking for your initial market research and analysis, or you're looking to buy your first home or sell your investment property or anything in between, we are a comprehensive service provider. So data company, brokerage, general contractor, property manager, title company, insurance company. We do it all. Mm -hmm. And what is your specific role? So as the chief revenue officer, I run all of our sales, our marketing, our strategic planning, and I focus more on serving our larger institutional clients, guys that own 500 plus houses and are continuing to expand their portfolios, where a lot of our solutions are geared toward smaller investors as well. Okay. So an ideal smaller investor, and how do you define smaller investor first off? And your ideal smaller investor is looking to do what with you? A smaller investor is someone that, that owns between three and 10 properties and is looking to either grow their portfolio or become more efficient at the properties they do own. So when it comes to the smaller investors, what most folks do with us is they purchase our rent range reports, which gives you an estimate of what your property should be renting for using our proprietary modeling and algorithm. So think of a rental estimate on steroids where there's more data in it it's used by rating agencies and Wall Street investors to make decisions about what their property should rent for, what the properties that are secured by securitization should rent for. And it makes sure that you're maximizing your rental value and not undercharging for your properties. Other folks will come to us for something as simple as just testing out if they have the proper property insurance for their investment property. Other smaller investors will come to us looking to either expand their portfolio or maybe trim the fat away from it and shrink down what they hold. How much does a rent range report cost? $14. And the more you buy of them, the cheaper it is. So I think it's pretty reasonable. If I can figure out a way to let your listeners understand how they can essentially charge an extra $25 a month, it's certainly worth that $14 for that report. That's no brainer. Yeah. So now let's talk about your different types of experience because that truly is unique. At least it's not as typical. Why aren't you still building homes? If you said earlier, we're not adding enough homes to keep up demand, sounds like a pretty good business to be in. It is, but it's a tough business to be in. 
the reason I'm not building homes is because basically the entire home building market imploded in 2007, 2008. And myself, along with about 93% of my colleagues that were employed by large private and public builders were laid off. So that market didn't even come back into any kind of real production until probably about two years ago. And even then, they're still building at a fraction of what they should. And it's not the builder's fault necessarily, because part of the problem here is that there needs to be land that is available to them at a reasonable price, and then they need to build a reasonable house. And a lot of the publicly traded home builders got absolutely destroyed prior to the recession because they took on too large of land positions kept building bigger and bigger houses. There was no real organic demand for it. It was just kind of McMansion theory of building a bigger house on a smaller lot. And that was a way for a home builder to maximize their revenue. But obviously, at the end of the day, those properties need to move off their balance sheet and into a homeowner's hand. And that became harder and harder to come by. And now you have builders building at a much slower pace. In fact, we're building the same number of single family homes this year as we did when John F. Kennedy was in office. And at that time, the population of the U.S. was only 200 million, not 340 million. Wow. Where are you getting this data from? That information is available through the Census Bureau. A lot of it is tracked through the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Got it. So you just go to census.gov? That's right. You can look under, I think they have a housing tab Mm -hmm. that you can look under that will give you a ton of that information. Shows how many permits are being pulled. Cool. I have done that, and it's definitely a good resource, especially if you're looking for a particular submarket to see what type of competition you'll have. Dennis, based on your experience in real estate and wearing a lot of different hats, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Well, I learned this piece of advice from Bob Toll, who was the founder and former CEO of Toll Brothers, which is one of the largest luxury home builders in the country. And he told me, no matter what you're looking at, any kind of real estate, you can't fall in love with it because then you are prone to make bad investment decisions. So that is something I've stood by my entire life. No matter how attractive something might look, you have to have the ability to be able to say no if everything doesn't line up the way you need it to. And that's something that I think a lot of amateur investors have a problem with is really showing that restraint when necessary. Mm -hmm. As an investor yourself said you do direct investing. What's the last deal that you did? The last deal that I did, I bought a piece of an 80 unit portfolio of single family properties in Indiana. And it was a portfolio that a relative of mine owns and they needed to liquidate a portion of that to bring some cash out. So I was able to step in something that was already fully occupied, had a nice amount of cash flow. And for me, because my day job is running investability, I don't have as much free time as I would like to be able to do as much directed investing and really being more of an activist investor than I have been in the past. So Mm -hmm. it was a good opportunity for me to get in there, get into the market and still remain relatively hands-off. So you work for a company that you all provide these rent range reports, among many other things. So you have access to a lot of data. What are some markets that you're seeing right now that would be good markets to invest in for, say, the next five years? Great question. I think if you're looking for a longer-term investment, like you mentioned, somewhere 
in the five-plus-year category. You should be focusing on markets where the economy is growing, but you're also going to want to look for good in-place rental yields today. And so that eliminates some of the markets that have rebounded very, very strongly. For example, I don't see as much opportunity in Phoenix or Southern California as I did a few years ago because the prices have been outstripping the rent growth by a pretty significant margin. So I'm seeing very attractive yields in a number of markets in the Midwest, in the South and Southeast and the Northeast. So a couple of those that come to mind, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Dallas, Orlando, Tampa, Atlanta, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, all those markets are above the national average for yields. They typically are declining in terms of of their vacancy, and all of those markets are adding jobs right now, which is really the most important thing. A lot of people are so used to investing in their own backyard, they don't really understand what drives the housing market. And what really drives the housing market is having an economy and a population that's growing. You mentioned the rental yields. Where can a best ever listener find that data? That data is not as easy to find. That's actually something we sell within our rent range reports. It's not something that's tracked by someone like the National Association of Realtors, which is a good source of free data, but unfortunately they don't track that. But anytime you're purchasing a rent range report, we give you a larger snapshot of what's going on in that market as well, including what the top performing zip codes are in terms of their yield and whatever market you happen to purchase a property report in. There are other resources out there where you can find general information about what's happening on a market level. We do a ton of press releases that highlight that data at a market level, what the highest performing ones are. So if you type in rent range and click on the news in Google, you'll get a lot of free good information on that. Same can be said with Realty Track if you're familiar with that website. Good stuff. Thank you for that and some good action items for us. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Absolutely. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with bestselling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com. Best ever book you've read? Best ever book I read? I would go with The First 100 Days, which is a book about the first 100 days of FDR in office and exactly how he really revolutionized his presidency in those first three months. Best ever deal you've done that you haven't mentioned? The best ever deal that I've done was actually as an investment banker, I was able to 
recapitalize a giant master plan community in California where I was literally able to save my client close to $10 million in a single deal. And I also made a very pretty penny on that myself. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? I've made lots of mistakes on transactions. I think any seasoned investor will tell you that. But certainly one of the first mistakes I made when I did my very first investment property with one of my brothers and a partner, we went in there, we paid the right price for the property, but we really underestimated how quickly it would take us to finish the construction. And so where we thought we'd be in and out of the property in 60 days, once we got in under the drywall, we realized this was closer to a six-month process, and you have your own capital at risk, getting that capital back as fast as possible is key. So that was a a bit of an unfortunate mistake, but we learned from those mistakes, and now I'm a lot more diligent about how long things will take. Well, it's better that you had your own capital than a hard money loan where the interest rate kept ticking up and up and up. I couldn't find a hard money lender (laughs) in 2008 that wanted to give me any money. It was lean times. What's the best ever way you like to give back? I like to give back by supporting local charities as much as possible, whether it's uh, local schools or other endeavors like that. Anytime someone asks me to chip in, I'm in, whether it's something as simple as giving a donation or volunteering for an event. I like it. I'm not tied to a particular kind of philanthropic cause. I think there's tons of good causes. And because of that, I always try to keep myself open to whatever opportunities are presented to me. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you and or learn more about investability? The easiest way is investability.com. We've got a ton of great content on there, a good idea of the scope of services we provide, and all of our contact information is available on there as well. So investability.com certainly the easiest way to learn more about what we're doing and how we might be able to help your listeners. Well, Dennis, thank you for being on the show. And with your background and the different types of jobs and tasks and responsibilities that you've had in the industry, it's important to listen to someone with your eclectic experience. And as you mentioned, you said the long-term outlook for real estate has never been better or is better than it has ever been, and you listed reasons why, and I was writing those down. One is the economy is in resurgent form. Two is the population continues to grow. Three is that we're not adding enough houses to keep up demand. Four is the lack of financing that is available for more, and you didn't mention this, so I might take it to a next level and correct me if I'm wrong. So I don't want to speak for you and put words in your mouth, but especially for people who don't have as good of credit, it's tougher for them to get financing right now because of what 2008 did. Would you agree with that? In parts of society, yes. What's actually really interesting is there's a lot of really good programs for first-time homebuyers that most people just aren't familiar with. So through FHA, They have some tremendous first-time homebuyer programs. Part of the problem is those don't really jive with where people want to live right now. So it's a challenge of having the right product for the right people in the right market. So, But what you've really seen is the total erosion of financing available for the middle class. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. And then lastly, I think you mentioned this. You said people not saving as much money as they need to. 
that really comes down to rising costs because of three things. Not necessarily because people aren't trying to save more money, but even though inflation has been relatively slow across most of the major parts that make up the consumer price index, when you look at what impacts people's life the most today and why they can't save money, it really comes down to three things. They're having to spend more for housing than they ever had, even if they're renting. They're having to spend more for healthcare, and they're having to spend more for education. And those three things combined have dramatically altered the average person's ability to save money for that down payment for their first home. Well, I think a lot of real estate investors, best ever listeners who are listening to this are like, heck yeah, let's keep going, baby. So thanks for the shot in the arm. Appreciate you spending some time with us. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Joe. Appreciate it. The Corporate Investor Podcast is geared towards successful corporate employees with high-income jobs looking to create a second stream of income. You'll hear from successful real estate investors on the show as they describe how they got started investing while working their full-time corporate job. Listen and subscribe at thecorporateinvestor.com. That's thecorporateinvestor.com.